jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Well, how about that election, huh? Those results just, they came in and... Um, and I am shocked by them. I am shocked. I am stunned. <laughs> I feel a way about them. Yeah, results. I mean, it's, you know, I could, we could go into it, but uh, depending there's on my There's nothing mood, to say. There's nothing, there's not a lot to talk about with it, no. I feel good or bad. I feel good or bad. Yeah. I feel good and bad. Yeah, depending um, on whichever outcome we just witnessed, maybe, yes. if there was an outcome, maybe. Right, there could, Yes. Do you know what I mean? The, the important thing is I know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. we. I think everyone can listen to this and say they are informed. They're where I get my news. Oh, they're getting political again. Oh, yeah. brother. Yeah, another horror podcast going and getting political, talking about what they don't know <laughs> might not have happened. Yeah. You see, listeners, the truth is... The election hasn't happened yet while we're recording this, and we just realized that this episode is going to go up the day after the election. And uh, how how is everyone going to feel when we? It's like this is what we've discussed. Is like, you know, I didn't even think about it. Like, okay, we watched our movie. We're going to talk about our movie. Yay! And then Anthony's like, we have to put this up on Wednesday. And I'm like, how am I going to post about this movie given? That we could all feel like the world is about to end. And I'll be like, hey, here's our shitty podcast, everyone. <laughs> as the military coup descends in the seas. <laughs> yeah. As the flamethrowers come down the street. You know. So yes. I don't, we don't know what what to say about it because it hasn't happened yet. We are so good at but, planning. Uh, we're really good at planning. But, I mean, honestly, like, we, I, it just goes to show how truly gay lords we, in fact, are, that <laughs> we planned our, our two-year birthday episode and made that happen. We pa- planned our hundredth episode and combined that with a website launch and a storefront product launch. And we made all that happen, and then the following week, we forgot that we had an episode the day after the election. The most contentious election of all time. Yeah! (laughs) I literally went into this and thought, oh, we can say, like, you know, ooh, by the time you're listening to this, there will have been an election. And then Anthony was like, yeah, we have to post this the day after the election. And the gravity of all of it hit me. I heard that I'll have to knock down. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like having to go on social media and be like, hi, I know you're all uh, crying. uh, But guess what? Gaylords of Darkness. (laughs) In the year 1940. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe it'll be a nice pick me up or maybe it'll be a way to uh, help celebrate. Like, why am I being 
Well, I know why I'm being uh, a pessimist about it. <laughs> I wonder why. It's <laughs> so yeah, unlike it's, you. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, first of all, it's unlike me. Second of all, uh, you know, it's been such a... We've been on such an, a great uphill ride for four years. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've only had fun. Only fun, and it yeah. keeps getting funner. Yeah, me and um, my friends uh, Scott Mayo and... Um, <laughs> Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent. Like, we just pal around. It's such a gas. Tear gas, actually. <laughs> it's uncomfortable. So, I don't know. I, 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 I'll I, be glad when it's... Uh, well, it won't be over, but... That's... It'll be... There'll be a step in some direction, I guess. <laughs> right? Without a doubt, wise. something might have happened today. Something might have happened. <laughs> it just feels like at least... Some there will be some form of relief, even if it goes the doomsday route, just because it's it's been like constant anxiety, and it's like at least okay, this will have happened, and we could deal with the next however long. Yeah, at least we can maybe begin to plan, maybe. Right, one way or the other. Here's the thing: so there will be a relief in that, but... even if it goes the way we would want it to go. There's still until January for, you know, who to right. to do whatever the fuck we never imagined would have happened. And then all the Republicans to be like, yeah, we have no values. And then <laughs> end of the world. Yeah. Who knows what kind of havoc they're going to. Uh, I forget that also that Tuesday night, it's not going to be like, pack your knives and go, motherfucker. Like, yeah, it's not, you know, you've been chopped. And then he has to pack and leave. Like, it's a, <laughs> you know. I only watch reality shows like that that have, uh, where people have to leave. I only watch the cooking ones. Yeah, yeah. They have to leave right there. Because I feel at least, at least they have to do something, you know? Yeah, it's, it's constructive. Not just, what I'm saying is, it's not just Big Brother where people sit around being shitty and then someone goes home. They literally don't do anything. I've seen clips of that show and it's just people laying on couches for hours. Yeah. Yeah. So at least, you know, I want, I don't know. So uh, we'll have months before there might be a peaceful transition of power. Yeah, maybe. It's all still doomsday. I can't talk about this because I don't even know the results. It's still two days away, three days away. It's a, it is a bizarre place to be in. Let, maybe this, maybe this intro to this episode will be a time capsule of a, of a different time. Maybe maybe you're crying right now listening to our naivete <laughs> as I say that. Yeah. Um, but it could be it could just be a time capsule of a weird different time where we had no idea what the fate of the galaxy it feels like is going to be. Um, I know I'm in a great anxious place where I'm wa- awaiting this and also reading our pal Matt Strandberg's new book, uh, The End which is all about people waiting for a fucking comet to come and hit them and vaporize the planet. So I feel great. (laughs) Um, But who knows? Maybe our listeners in the future will have a a little better news. Who knows? I feel like waiting for a comet to come and vaporize me would be less stressful and anxious because at least that's like a concrete thing. Like, oh, the comet is coming. It's this far away. Do what you will. Whereas we've just been mired. We've been like trapped in amber for four years. And it's just this existential dread. And every day there's some new fuckery to wake up to. And it just keeps getting worse. And you think, you think, where is the fucking bottom? 
And then the next day, the fucking handmaid is on the Supreme Court now. It's just like <laughs> every day. There's something new every fucking day. Truly, you know? truly, the comet is preferable. The comet is absolutely preferable. Hot vapor death, molten lava earth. I. Mm, yeah. I'd take Let it. Let the magma take me. Yeah. Let the, the earth crack open. Let me fall into the magma. I will try my best to give a thumbs up like I'm the Terminator 2. <laughs> and that's the end. Bye. <laughs> the thumbs up is what counts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I hope, I hope as people are listening to this that it's a, a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Yeah, yeah, and maybe it's not, and maybe this just makes everything worse. (laughs) Maybe we're just making it worse right now. (laughs) But we definitely want to acknowledge times is fucking weird. This is a weird place to be recording it right now. There probably, I would guess there probably isn't an outcome by now. If there is, that's great. But uh, we're just gonna go with it. (laughs) Because that's all we've been doing for the last eight months slash four years, so... Right. That's what all else we is there to do, do except join Heaven's Gate and just wait for that comment? Put on my Nikes <laughs> and your nineteenth-century dress. Suit. Oh, your my, track suit. <laughs> my tracksuit. Get my little blankie. Right. Oh. Turn on seduced on stars. Oh, and, thank you, know, you. Just I like to cross pollinate my cults, and uh, you know. <laughs> See, that happens, happen. Regardless of what's going to happen on Wednesday, at least we also have a new episode of Seduced coming for us. So that also lies in our future. So there there are good things on the horizon as well. Uh, You know, um, also Shocktober came to a close. As we listen to this, Shocktober is shock over. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. <laughs> Counted down all those movies. Uh, it was a time. That number one. Number one, which I know people are going to think it's rigged or something. <laughs> Why would they think it's rigged? <laughs> it is not rigged. Suspiria was voted number one. Suspiria had... 2018. Yes, the real Suspiria. Yeah. <laughs> you had oversight committees. There were notaries. Um, sure. It was, uh, it was a I made a operation. Life, I made a lifetime vow. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I said, brand the results on me. This is my lifetime <laughs> vow. I swear these are the true results. Listen, you could say that the people who voted tend to be, I mean, how would people find out about it? Through this show, through Final Girl, through my social media channels, so they mm-hmm. could be more likely to have Suspiria as one of their favorites. Hmm? Be- yeah, you helped them lean in through an EM <laughs> uh, That's to right. counter their limiting beliefs. Right, thank you. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens the next time I do this, which will be in the future, assuming there is one again. We don't know what happened on election day. <laughs> or has yet to happen. Or has yet to happen. Um, assuming there is a future, I will do it again and we'll see what happens. It would be interesting to me 
to, I don't know if I want to, but to court the crowd that, like the horror crowd that I don't usually. No, no. Well, just to see what kind of a list it would be. Why yeah. you have to go and be all sociologist? <laughs> you don't, well, close. <laughs> I mean, you know, like there, I don't think any of the Saw films showed up. Oh, like, not a single Saw? I don't think there was a single Saw this time. There might have been early on, and I just don't remember. Um, it was I a mean, month ago. My list was only Saw. <laughs> oh, well, I didn't count yours. I yeah, rewrote, you didn't. <laughs> I rewrote it for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't um, read, so I don't see. <laughs> but, you know, people like a, just a different type of horror fan, it would be interesting to have a wider array yeah. of people turning in a list to see what that does to the list. So maybe yeah, what, something What would that number one be? What would that number one? Probably Halloween still. Yeah, Halloween. Um, you know. So I just, I don't know, that's for next time, but how do I court that crowd, you know? Ugh, well, I mean, you'd have to place an ad and... Uh, in the yes I was going to say Fangold (laughs) you'd have to place an ad in a magazine somewhere right yes yes somewhere not room well room morgue oh yeah you can place an ad in room morgue but then you get the Canadians too uh, I have enough of those I mean I love them but the list would be like maple syrup and mimes (laughs) and healthcare and healthcare <laughs> any oh. any movie where someone is taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It just would make yeah. for a more interesting list. So that's for the next time. But that again is in the future. That is the future we live in. The now, baby. Yes. The new now. <laughs> the, Hopefully, a new now. The, the several days ago now. <laughs> we live in the several days ago now, Mama. What was like? Okay, so obviously we know our our highest holiest mother was number one. Sure. Uh, Suspiria, bless her. What What was like your big big surprise next to that revelation? If this was like the post mortem review. Um, it feels like, uh, I don't know if it's like a recency bias or if it is, I think there is, like looking at the list from, because I did this in 2010, I did it in 2017, and now I've done it 2020. And it does seem like some of the standards and the classics are slipping down Mm. a little bit, or there are new movies that are higher up. Like Halloween... Mm was number one for the last two times I did this, and it dropped all the way to number four this time. Just actually pretty severe. Which is pretty severe, yeah. Um, and there's, like, Ari Aster had two... His two films were in the 20 to 11 range. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Is it... Th- that's why I want to do it again, because it's like, are those films going to still rank as high? Like, are they actual classics since they came out, like, last year? Will people yeah. still feel the same way about them five years from now or whatever? Yeah, it's wild how new those movies are. Yeah. And there was a lot of stuff from, like, 2019, 2020 on the list. Yeah. Even if it only got a couple, but... So. Well, and I think I think you did, you did um, even note this in one of your posts about it, but it's like, there have... I mean, this is something we've talked about so much on the show, is that there have been such incredible gems released in the last six years alone. Mm-hmm. 
that it's like how can we imagine horror without those films like i think the witch being what was like like number three mm-hmm. is very deserved yeah absolutely um but yeah i think that would be fascinating to see down the line what but like in 2017 i feel like it follows placed better that was a like a brand new movie mm-hmm. basically that kind of was the big buzz Mm-hmm. And that ranked way higher than it did this time. Yeah, um, like what what sticks? What's gonna so what's gonna stick for next time is kind of what I'm more interested in seeing because so, there have been so many good movies in the last couple of years. But will I don't know. And what are gonna happen to the classics? You know. So 2025, it's gonna be all Annabelle and Halloween bangs. I'm guessing. Halloween bags for sure. Maybe like the Bye Bye Man will get a real reassessment. You know how that happens to <laughs> It'll movies. It'll get a second life. It'll get its Jennifer's body reassessment. <laughs> <laughs> how could a movie go wrong? It has a stupid title, a stupid <laughs> urban legend, Carrie Ann Moss and Faye Dunaway. What the fuck? I say this is a recipe for success. It is not a success. <laughs> You watched it. Sure did. Mm-hmm. I, I get the urge sometimes to watch it again. I'm not going to lie. I've been wanting to see it just because of your post about it. <laughs> it's so bad. But enjoyable bad, I think. Okay. Except, except when you just see the light. There's no light in Carrie Ann Moss's eyes. You know oh. what I mean? Oh. You just see that mortgage payment. That she's going to make, thanks to this movie. That's all you see. She deserves better, goddammit. Her and Faye. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They should be at top of the stratosphere. They should be the new Thelma and Louise. They should be Thelma and Louise. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> right? Why aren't they my Turner and Hooch or whatever? Faye just goes around slapping gay men. <laughs> <laughs> Making them feel harassed. <laughs> I like. I want to see them as buddy cops. I want to see them as buddy criminals. <laughs> I want to see them as buddy everything. They're not buddies in the Bye Bye Man, but oh, that's, that's perhaps, they were. It's perhaps its biggest fault. Yeah, is that they're not buddies. <laughs> yeah. So it's over, Shocktober. Oh well. Mm, all hail Shocktober. All hail Shocktober. <laughs> I love Our, her. <laughs> Our goddess. Um, <laughs> it did also, I will say, going through the list and all the special guest lists and everything, it has given me John Carpenter feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm like, God, he's made some amazing movies. And I, I know that, but then sometimes you just see how many. And I just, I don't know, there's been like, he just came out with a new song and I'm like, God damn, he can, he can write a bop. Hit. Man, we saw him in concert back in the day when you could do that, and it was a sold-out auditorium, and it was the fancy auditorium downtown, like the fancy place named after the fancy lady with all the money, and it was full of like just metalheads, and everyone was headbanging as <laughs> fucking grandpa sits, like stands there with his keyboard, chewing his gum and wearing his sunglasses and just rolling his, <laughs> rolling his head back and forth. And it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he's got the new album, the, the new Lost Themes or whatever. Three, the, yeah. The third one. And, like, the tracks I've heard so far, I'm like, god damn. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, he's he's a musician. He wants to be a musician now. I love 
George Romero, but I feel like of the quote unquote masters of horror, it's like John Carpenter for me, man. I I love some of his, like Prince of Darkness is so underrated. Mm-hmm. I love Prince of Darkness. You know how I feel about the fog, and it's just it's made me want to see some of the ones that I've actually never seen. Like Ghosts of Mars? Like Ghosts of Mars. Um, like I want to watch some of his kind of garbage now. Uh, I would, I've would. i been really wanting to watch Vampires, but it's got James Woods. I just, I don't know. I don't um, know. I'm just like, I, I, I want to, I don't know. Like it, it just kind of, I think we take him for granted maybe, but I just want to like praise john carpenter while he's still here and he's just like still cranky and making music and playing video games i love i love that clip that you retweeted um on their gaylords page where he was talking about all the so-called masters of horror <laughs> and he's yeah. like knocking everyone out he doesn't hang out with them because david cronenberg got too full of himself he's like he's an artist now <laughs> and yeah. he makes fun of eli roth's hollywood hair is what he calls it mm-hmm He's just, like, so unpretentious mm-hmm. and political. He's always been so political, you know? I don't know. I just really love him. He's cool. He's a cool guy. And when you look at... Well, I was going to say when you look at the Instagram post Kyle Richards made of her sitting next to him. Uh, but when you look <laughs> at um, sheer output, which I think you also were getting to. But, yeah. I mean, George Romero created an entire genre, Yeah. And a, and a film and a movie monster in a way or he like kind of rebranded it in a certain way um you know Wes Craven made Freddy but like Wes Craven gets so many accolades and I feel like I always talk shit about Wes Craven on the show and I don't mean to do that because I like Wes Craven I like Wes Craven but also what is a Wes Craven movie exactly that's what I can't and that was also driven home to me during Shocktober is realizing how many different things he's directed and being like, Oh, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about this one. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I'm just like, if you ask me like what's a Wes Craven movie, I could not fucking tell you. Whereas George Romero, John Carpenter, even Toby Hooper has more of a sort of through line, I think, in mm-hmm. his movies. Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon for sure. David Cronenberg, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, but John Carpenter, in terms of like making these just legendary classic films, yeah, like it's really a rich history uh, body of work, and he's doing the fucking cool ass music for all of them. <laughs> he did the soundtrack for Assault on Precinct Thirteen in one day. Yeah, he had one day to do that soundtrack. He did the Halloween soundtrack in three days. That's so wild. Yeah, it's like I think now he's more than content to just put his name on whatever and pick up a paycheck like he doesn't give a fuck i mean he's he's out there admitting it you know like he called halloween bangs the quintessential quintessential slasher film yeah (laughs) yeah i think he'll just very happily collect a paycheck which you know props but i think his early work especially it's like he really knew what he wanted his films to be yeah and they're all a John Carpenter film, or like John Carpenter's The Fog. Like, mm-hmm. he always made sure to do that, because, I mean, he's doing everything right down to the music. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He's a cool guy, man. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Oh, now you do have me wanting to watch Ghosts of Mars and Vampires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been a while. I just, I think... I really love The Thing. I know that, like, Halloween, 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 but I sometimes I think The Thing is actually his big masterpiece. Mm. 
It's a perfect movie. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen it, but I've been up for, I've been kind of wanting a reevaluation of it. And I love it. It's great. It's just got a lot of dudes in it. It's hard for me to say that a, a movie with basically nothing but dudes could be perfect, but it's a perfect movie. Well, <laughs> like when you take is. when you take John Carpenter and then you combine it with Adrian Barbeau as the computer, and then you add in Kurt Russell, perfect Kurt Russell and his pillow lips. <laughs> <laughs> and his that hat and the beard and, and that the hair. beard and ugh. Same. And Wilford Brimley being so ominous, being me, that's me. Like, put me out in the cabin. <laughs> You're with Wilford all this, Brimley. <laughs> honestly, with this coronavirus shit, like, just lock me outside. Yeah. You know, I'll let you know when I'm ready to come back in. Well, that's why you're recording in the shed today. <laughs> I. It's a good, you should watch the thing, man. Yeah. You'll remember how good it is. It's yeah, so gross. It. It's been a while. I love when they do CPR and this chest it turns into those jaws. Oh, man. Oh. The spaghetti-looking shit that comes out of the dogs. Oh. Man, God, that's a good movie. Great soundtrack. Suck on that, haters. <laughs> yeah, all those John Carpenter haters in horror. So we'll see what happens in 2025. Tune in. <laughs> 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 Cue tears. Yeah. That seems like a good amount of time, though. Five years? Imagine what the landscape will look like. I can't, like, I just vomit imagining five years from now. This is incomparable. Yeah. Where do you see yourselves in five years? A pile of dust, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'm just running towards a comet. (laughs) (laughs) My thumb goes up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Oh, well. Um, but today... We aren't. We are, we are talking to you from the past, um, and we are going even further into the past. Yeah. As I said, we're going all the way to the year 1940. Uh, we have physically, we were physically restrained by the Gaylord's bouncers. They pulled us away from the DVD cabinet that contained all of the, our Asian films. Yeah. They locked it up. <laughs> they said no more for no now. No more. Yeah. <laughs> I cried. I had a really good cry. Uh, I know that it's just math, uh, but 1940 is 80 years ago. This Shut the movie, fuck up. This movie is 80. 80! 80 years old! 80 year old movie! <laughs> <laughs> the more I say it, the more my mind is exploding. Like, when I, if you say to me, What's an 80-year-old movie? I'm like, uh, Melier's A Trip to the Moon? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, Edison's Frankenstein? Yeah, yeah like the, the train coming at the screen? Like, Buster Keaton? Like, that feels 80 years old to me. Not this movie. No. no. 80 this... years old. This movie does not feel 80 years old watching it. No. Oh, no, no, no. It does Mm-mm. not. No, it does not. 1940. I'm just, this whole episode, I'm just gonna, wow. <laughs> 80 years. 1940? Surely years not. Ago. <laughs> Did I do the math right? I'm a girl. <laughs> yeah, your Texas instruments for her <laughs> had to reconfirm the number. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but hi, yeah, 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 yeah. Anthony has just discovered uh, Daphne du Maurier. 
after Anthony's recent discovery of the Bronte sisters. Stacy, have you ever heard of Emily Bronte? <laughs> I think it might pr- be pronounced Bronte. There's an umlaut. <laughs> well, I think it's it's interesting um, that it's like there are movie like Rebecca, the birds, you know, uh, don't look now. Those are associated with their directors and not with the woman who wrote them. Right. Yes. And I just I think that's a th- I think, you know, Shirley Jackson is kind of going through a bit of a renaissance right now mm-hmm. because because of Mike Flanagan, who <laughs> took her book and took a big shit on it. and was like, <laughs> let me take everything that she fought for and every word that she said and make it about my family problems, which have <laughs> nothing to do with the source material. But no, I'm not still fucking bitter over Hill House. Anyway. <laughs> so you love Bly Manor as well. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that and the the movie with um Elizabeth Moss, et cetera, et cetera. Like yeah, uh, people yeah, are yeah. suddenly people are suddenly like, Oh my god, Shirley Jackson, have you heard? And it's like <laughs> Yes, motherfucker. Like some of us pay attention to women authors. But these things were like Rebecca, for example, was like geared towards women. Mm-hmm. readers you know what i mean and so it's like it wasn't really taken seriously i don't think by the wider audience but the film was it's an alfred hitchcock movie hmm. i thought that wasn't the book a giant sensation before it was movie? a sensation but it was like for women like women made it a oh, sensation yeah 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 it, this was a twilight <laughs> it's a twilight honestly like it's not treated as i think rebecca is basically a classic but it's also like well it's gothic whatever by a woman so even the book um because so i yeah like you said i've been catching up on a lot of things i'm using this pandemic time to just catch up and try to fill in my gaps um mm-hmm. like asian yeah horror. baby yeah yeah filling in all the gaps <laughs> <laughs> with with daphne demoria um <laughs> But so I've been catching, I've been, and uh, yes, I have been reading a lot of Shirley Jackson. I fucking love her. Um, and I, I just read uh, Rebecca and even the book cover for Rebecca, it says the classic gothic uh, romance thriller. And I'm like, once again, I mean, I had this feeling when I read Wuthering Heights and had my mind ripped out of my skull and my heart forever devoted to this text. Uh, I'm like, why is this called a romance? Right. Because it's not romantic. It's just a thriller. And it's fucking scary. Well, that's the whole gothic angle of it. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. You know, it's kind of like takes romance and perverts it. Yeah. Power you know? and domination and lusting for the other. And yeah. And, and what should be a fairy tale sort of, you know, princess in a castle, Cinderella bullshit. Like, that's how it starts out. And then it's like, oh, actually, it's real fucked. Mm-hmm. But these, the books themselves and these women are, like, validated by the men who have made films of their work, mm-hmm. it seems. And it's like, people are like, oh my god, the birds. What? Did you know there's, like, gay undertones? It's like, bitch, Daphne du Maurier was bisexual and put all the gay shit into everything she fucking wrote. Oh, she was? Yes. Oh, thank you, dramaturg. I didn't know that's so cool. Yeah. And she so- had a thousand kids and wrote 800 books? <laughs> And was a knight. <laughs> that was like a through line of her work. And if you look at Rebecca and the like Mrs. Danvers 
second Mrs. De Winter relationship. Uh. And like that scene, especially where she's trying to talk her into suicide and everything. If you look at that in terms of Du Maurier herself and like the sort of conflict that she felt over her own sexuality, because like her father, like, you know, it was a different thing. To, to be basically openly bisexual and a sexual deviant in 1940. Yeah, and 80 years ago. Eight, oh my god, it's 80 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of, you know, what she had to deal with through that and, you know, how she internalized that. And just that scene of, like, this evil dyke half talking to this, like, virginal straight woman and, like, the two sides are battling and it's really interesting. Daisy, you are blowing my fucking mind. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. See, I read it and I knew that there was something going on because I immediately fell in love with Mrs. Danvers mm-hmm. uh, because she's perfect. <laughs> I said, Mrs. Danvers is clearly the hero of Rebecca, right? Uh, and she, we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll get into it. But knowing that just makes me feel so seen and validated with a a very important, what I now understand to be queer ancestor. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, isn't that, that's such an amazing thing also. Like, I know that feeling of like, wait, I recognize something in this. And then to have it's it's Suspiria with Susie and Sarah. Yeah, it's to be cru- like it's code, it's cruising, it's yeah. And then to have the creator basically like validate all of your views and feelings about it is a very nice feeling. So Daphne really is filling in my gaps. She <laughs> she's got her cock gun. <laughs> squirt squirt. Oh no! <laughs> uh, I was shocked because. Um, so I've, I, uh, I've been reading a lot this year and I've, uh, I'm interested, I've, I've, it's funny to see how many, I just, in my time reading, I've been, I mean, yeah, oh, I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Excuse me. <laughs> I ha- I, even before this re- year, I have read a lot of books and when I like to watch older adaptations of books, I usually set, well, I mean, anytime you read an adaptation of a book, you kind of get set up for disappointment, right? But- right. I feel like particularly with older adaptations, they really throw out the text Mm -hmm. and it can be very stressful. I was surprised at how much of the text is still is completely intact. Rebecca is very faithful, right? It's been a while since I've read it, but it's it's one of the more. It's almost scene by scene with with the exception of a major plot point. (laughs) <laughs> that they adjust because because of the production code at the time, mm-hmm. which made it so that y- you couldn't depict someone who committed a crime getting away with the crime. They had to change a circumstance of some events that happened that are pretty crucial to the characters and their psychology and the, even the suspense of the novel. But it still kind of feels like they're like, just like, okay, we're saying this, but you've all read the book, so you know what we're really doing. Mm-hmm. So with the but with the exception of that, it's almost and the ending, which I was upset, but I also kind of like it because of its sheer gothicness, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's a cool fucking shot. Um, it's very very faithful, and I was stunned, especially to come from a, a woman writer, that they would then take her work and adapt it so faithfully. 
And then it turns into a fantastic movie that is a fantastic depiction of what happens in the book. And then it goes on to win a zillion awards and kind of makes Alfred Hitchcock's career at that point. Yeah. It's still such a like such a good movie. Dude, that opening, like, I sat Maddie and Jason down and I was like, we're watching Rebecca. <laughs> I sit them down and you know there I feel like there's some hesitation because old movie black and white whatever and and it's Halloween week everyone wants to watch scary movies and immediately that first shot that tr- long tracking shot through the model forest to the model Manderley yeah it's incredible that model work and immediately we were all just sucked in and like yeah taken by it for the whole duration of the film yeah like you said it doesn't feel dated at all no it doesn't it doesn't dra- it doesn't seem to have a lot of the hallmarks of like a 1940 movie it, you know what i mean like the pacing issues maybe you might feel and sometimes you're like am i watching a film stage play <laughs> right yeah yeah it's good shit man yeah and i mean obviously so much of that is because hitchcock was a brilliant filmmaker Right. He was an asshole to a lot of women. He was a brilliant filmmaker. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that really comes through in here is him, like, because he had done done work, but I feel like this is what really made him Hitchcock at that point. Uh, And it's just, it's so masterful. The set pieces are fucking wild. It's the sets. Yeah. I was breaking my brain trying to figure out are these real sets like how much of this is real like we were like telling them walk cl- walk further we want to see you walk into that next hallway to see if it's real yeah <laughs> yeah uh, it's wild yeah mm-hmm. and the performances and the performances i mean what a fucking cast you oh. know you've got the the stuff the outside stuff early on where maxim and the second mrs de winter meets on the cliff and the mm-hmm. you know it's it's globe trotting it starts in monte carlo um, yes, with Edith Van Hopper, who I hope you thought of me and said that's the role Stacey wants to play. Could I think of anyone else? <laughs> she is perfect. <laughs> Righteous stock, give me a chocolate quick. <laughs> I love her so much. This just uh, troll. This troll of a queen. (laughs) (laughs) I love that even... That's when I was so blown away by how they were following it scene by scene with the book, really. Like, when Maxim shows up to have have dinner with them both or talk with them both. And after the... Like, he says... He asks Mrs. The new... The next Mrs. DeWins her one thing. And she, like, briefly chimes in. But the whole conversation is between him and Mrs. Van Hopper. And then... He leaves, and she's like, "Oh, never embarrass me about like that again." Trying to insert yourself <laughs> in the conversation, <laughs> drawing attention to yourself. That's <laughs> so funny. Yeah, she's yeah. incredible. So Maxim De Winter is—he's like the perfect Bronte-esque romantic hero, right? Yes. He's mercurial and dark and brooding, and he seems to have some kind of a troubled past. He's commandeering. He's kind of a dick. He, like, flatters you by nagging you. He's hot as shit. He's... (laughs) he's, I did not realize Lawrence Olivier was such an outrageous babe. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So he meets the unnamed protagonist, who the second Mrs. De Winter... 
They fall in love by taking these long drives. They're in Monte Carlo. She is there as a companion to Edith Van Hopper. Um, and basically it comes time for her to, re- to go to New York with Ms. Van Hopper. And he says, well, why don't you marry me instead mm-hmm. and come to Mandalay with me? So she goes, uh, meets the staff, including Mrs. Danvers. Oh. <laughs> Dame Judith Anderson. Oh. Uh who never cracks anything rem- like remotely resembling a smile. No, never. Um, the first Mrs. De Winter, Rebecca, uh, is basically a ghost in this place, right? Like, she's basically still there. Her her initials are monogrammed on everything. Her clothes are all still there. Her her side of the house is sealed off. It's a very Hill House, right? Like the It is! The dark heart of the house is sealed away, never to be touched. <laughs> Um, and the second Mrs. DeWinter tries to adjust, like, she was a working girl, you know, and now she's the lady of the manor and has to, like, oh, she has to spend her morning sending letters on Rebecca's stationery with Rebecca's address book, etc. And she comes to feel more discomforted because she thinks Maxim is keeping his dead wife alive. And then you have Mrs. Danvers who goes out of her way to troll the second Mrs. DeWinter at every possibility. Every, every possible time. Every second she can get. <laughs> uh, surely everyone everyone knows this movie, knows the story, the whole Mrs. Danvers basically in love with Rebecca. Mm-hmm. The incredibly uh, unsettling sequence when second Mrs. DeWinter finally goes into the forbidden room, which has been preserved, and Mrs. Danvers follows her in there and is like, Oh, a fur coat to see how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> and is like rubbing her face yeah, with the her fur face coat. With it. Here's her underwear that was stitched by nuns at the convent. Oh. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, tell me more. Were <laughs> uh, <laughs> they hot nuns? <laughs> yeah. And like, this is how I would brush her hair. And this is how I would put her. And here's her negligee. See how you can see my hand through it? Which is implying that when she was wearing it, you could see other things through it. <laughs> and also maybe her hand went other places. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Second Mrs. De Winter gets very uncomfortable and leaves and decides to assert herself. She's the lady of the house now. Um, she's going to be running things. So she, there's a, she decides that to kind of assert her place in the house. She's going to throw a costume ball the way Maxim used to with his dead wife. Well, she was alive at the time. She said. Yeah, he didn't get Bernie's prop up, Rebecca, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and throw her down the stairwell, the staircase. <laughs> yeah, so Maxim says, fine, we'll have this party. Second, Mrs. DeWinter is like, oh, I'm going to make a costume. It's going to blow your fucking mind, my dude. <laughs> That's verbatim. It is, yeah. In yeah, 1940, <laughs> the dialogue was really shocking. <laughs> He was really ahead of its time. Uh, Mrs. Danvers is like, oh, you're making a costume. Why don't you make this? Look at this painting that's one of Mr. De Winter's ancestors. He will love it. So, she, so she's like, all right, that sounds good. So she makes the costume, comes downstairs, and everyone's like, oh. <laughs> metaphorically fainting because it's the same thing that Rebecca had worn the year prior. And how dare she try to, yeah, imitate. Because, uh, as Mrs. Danvers says, like, even in the same dress. What did she say? I don't remember. 
Oh, I wa- Oh, here, I wrote it down. I watched you go down just as I watched her a year ago, even in the same dress you couldn't compare. Oh. <laughs> and so second Mrs. DeWinter goes upstairs and she's like, oh, I made a fool of myself. And Mrs. Danvers <laughs> is basically like, well, why don't you just jump out the window then? <laughs> her, I love her, like, walking in. Maybe she's going to console her. She opens the fucking window and is just like, do it. <laughs> yeah. She says, he never loved you, so why go on living? He's still in love with Rebecca. You know, he doesn't need you here. He just needs his memories of Rebecca. It's like, I'm oh, projecting a little there, Mrs. Danvers. This is, this is my... I, I immediately go, I being Mrs. DeWinter, go to dialamade.com. I leave a five out of five review for her. <laughs> Love her. Uh, so then it turns out that there uh, a boat crashes, like, right? Like something happens out in the Yeah, all of a sudden the sound. there's just a boat and flares and everyone's running around. Everyone's like, oh, the people on the boat need help or whatever. They find another boat underwater, and it has a body in it. Huh? (laughs) Everyone thought that Rebecca, (laughs) like, took her boat out, and it capsized, and that's how she died. Maxim identified her body. She's in the crypt. Everyone, and then Maxim is like, listen, new wife, actually... That's Rebecca's body in the boat. I knew that the other body wasn't her, but I said it was because it turns out that Rebecca was actually a big slut. (laughs) (laughs) Another more verbatim dialogue. Yeah, I really hated her. Oh, you thought that I loved her? No, no, no. I actually hated her. Uh, Shortly, like a couple of days after they were married, she told him some kind of a secret. And he wanted to divorce her, but that would be such a big scandal that he stayed married to her. Mm Mm-hmm. She would go to London repeatedly. She had her friends. She had her cousin, who is a confirmed bachelor. And car salesman. (laughs) And car salesman. But apparently they were sleeping together. Yeah, in her pool house. (laughs) In her pool house. She's cool uh, as shit. <laughs> so she and Maxim had words. She told him that she was pregnant. And, ooh, what's that going to do to you if it's not your child? And I'm thinking to myself, this is just like Dallas with J.R. and Sue Ellen. Oh, yeah. Where it might be Cliff Barnes's baby or it might be J.R.'s. But uh, this is not Dallas. So he <laughs> slaps her. And then she falls down and hits her head, and she's probably dead. And so he puts her on a boat and takes it out, and then he pokes holes in the boat, and the boat sinks. Oh, no. Is he going to be charged with unlawful disposal of a body, at the least? Mm-hmm. Or did he just straight up murder her? Because mm-hmm. you know people will talk, especially in that small wherever they live. <laughs> you got to watch out for the small wherever people live. That's where they, they keep the most whatever they know. Yeah. So there's an inquest. It's not going very poorly. Cousin Bachelor is like, oh, yeah, I know she was pregnant. Let's find her doctor. The only one who knows her secret doctor is Mrs. Danvers. Mrs. Danvers is like, what? Yeah, I know the secret doctor. So they go talk to the secret doctor. Secret doctor's like, she wasn't pregnant. She had cancer. Okay. Cousin Bachelor is like, what? And so Maxim gets off because, you know, obviously she would have just gone and killed herself after this cancer diagnosis. Um, and then Cousin Bachelor calls Danvers and is like, man, she was running around on both of us. She had cancer. And Danvers is like, what? And sets Mandalay on fire. 
and burns up with it. Yeah, she goes, what? And then immediately <laughs> torches the curtains. And does the coolest, like, interpretive run-through-fire moves yeah. I've seen. Well, uh, it's like she said to second Mrs. DeWinter, she never loved you. Like, you know, she basically has the thought, she never loved you, so why go on living? Yeah. And so she burns the house. She's like, you know what? <gasps> this heterosexual couple's not going to be happy here. Rebecca didn't love me. Rebecca's gone. I'm burning this whole fucking place down. Oh, I didn't even put it together that Mrs. Danvers burns because in the book, um, they dro- they're driving away from the doctor, you know, and they've just had this this like okay they've closed the inquest. Rebecca killed herself, um, because she had cancer or whatever. And then they're driving away from the doctor towards Mandalay, and then they they look and they see lights and this is they kind of represent it in the movie too where they see the lights on the horizon and they're like is that the northern lights no it's mandalay um yeah but then they just drive and keep going and so it's just kind of implied that mrs danvers set fire to the house mm. to the estate um but oh but i didn't put two in together that she was like hurt yeah that rebecca had two timed her yeah or eight timed her depending on <laughs> her suitors <laughs> yeah this is the whole thing uh, is like a lot of people are still like, well, Mrs. Danvers was just a, a very devoted housekeeper. Uh, no. Because this is this is the thing that I think a lot of the more homophobic straight people like to do, is that gay characters are okay as long as their existence is justified, which means they have to be in a relationship. Yeah. Um, and But the thing is, Love doesn't have to be requited in order to exist. Mm-hmm. So Mrs. Danvers could have a one-way... She could think their relationship was something completely different than it actually was. Yeah. She had an intimacy with this woman and thought it was one thing and maybe found out it was something else. It's always There's always a certain point at this movie where you can get pretty far into the whole story and be like... Oh, what if Rebecca's big secret is that she was a homo <laughs> and it's real fun? You know, it's like, what if after they got married four days later, she's like, I'm a dyke. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll pretend to be married to you, but guess what? And then she's having her friends in London. She's going to London for her whatever lesbian soirees or whatever. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, she was just sleeping with a lot of dudes. Yeah. You know, I see. So I have assumed, um, they they have it in the movie when mrs when D- mrs danvers who also who is miss mr danvers <laughs> is there i think i think it's an age thing oh so she just is a missus at that point yeah. even if she's a spinster uh right. terrorist dyke <laughs> from yeah. hell who i love <laughs> yeah. um there's still the scene in the movie at the doctor's office when Mrs. Danvers, or before they get to the doctor, I don't know, but Mrs. Danvers is has that moment of like, she never loved any of you, like kind of thing. Um, she laughed at all of you. She laughed at all of you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> which I really want her to talk like that because that's how I imagine that monologue in the book. <laughs> but it's like more pronounced in the book of like, like even the cousin, Jack, the car salesman, talks about how they made love and and i love that nobody ever is like you're her cousin dude because also it was 1940 but right uh, he's talking about that and she's like yeah she had sex with you guys and then she would come back and we would laugh about it Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I really, there is a part of me that wants so badly to think that Mr. Danvers is Rebecca because she also used <laughs> Danvers right. as her name at the doctor. But, yeah. but that even though in the book it's extra fucked because she has, Mrs. Danvers has raised Rebecca since yeah. she would like, she's been with her at her childhood estate and through her whole life. And she came into maxim's household with rebecca and then became the housekeeper the head housekeeper and all that yeah but i want so badly for rebecca and mrs danvers to just be this like just these fucking suicide dykes just like they are (laughs) they are just here to fuck they are just valerie solanus here to destroy (laughs) mankind mankind being men and i love them because even that's one thing i love about this depiction of rebecca which it's really fascinating that i mean the book's called rebecca the movie's called rebecca it's all about rebecca you never see her mm-hmm. i love that hitchcock doesn't even have a flashback like a lesser filmmaker i feel like would have a flashback of to this character yeah we just hear like oh she had dark hair and she was really beautiful mm-hmm. and that's about it yeah. but she just and i love that because it just adds to the whole feeling of like she's still there and she's completely haunting this place yeah. and is in the floorboards, etc. But we never see her. And it's funny because it, I love it almost could work as a ghost story in a way. Uh, but where there's no ghost activity, it's just because of how prevalent she is in everyone's lives. She is haunting them. And, and Mrs. Danvers even says that, like, I sense her in this house sometimes or whatever she I can says. hear her footsteps behind me. Yeah, you know, she says like sometimes I imagine I hear her footsteps behind me. Do you think that the the dead can come back to the living? Mm-hmm. You know. And what I love about Rebecca, whether regard whether or not she is in fact in a lesbian death pact with Mrs. Danvers, <laughs> which is my canon read. But what I love about Rebecca is that um, she was such an unapologetic monster of a woman. Right, yes. And I'm like, so was she actually a monster? Because also, we are only given this information by Maxim, for the most part. Right. Who hated her. Who hated her. And like, he called, like, he talks about how she had all, like, she told him all of, she exposed all of her dirty secrets to him, and she was sleeping around with all these men, and she was throwing parties, and she was fucking people in her pool house, and she was... She just, you know, manipulated. But I'm like, I see a woman that, from what he's told me, I see another side of a woman that just made do with what she had to do Mm -hmm. to be a free woman. Yeah. And other people might call her an insane sociopath, horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it is, you know, a one-sided thing. Everybody else really loved her. Um, so she had everybody fooled except for him, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, cousin Bachelor says to um, Maxims, I don't know if he's the lawyer, the, his confidant, basically, like, well, you didn't have any luck with her. Like, you tried. But which just makes it the whole gay thing more, mm-hmm. a little more evidence towards that. But everyone loved her. And it's like, so why are we getting this side of the story only? And all, like... I realize it's just me, like, you know, wanting Rebecca and Mrs. Danvers to Thelma and Louisa together. Yes. But when second Mrs. DeWinter is like, oh, it's all right. I believe you. I know you dispose of the body, but she was a horrible woman. And I believe you. And it's just like, (laughs) oh, my God, I'm supposed to be rooting for these two? Yeah. Like, he still committed a crime? Yeah. Well, (laughs) 
And in the book, it's even more fucked up because he fucking shot her. Mm-hmm. Like, she tells him, you know, that she's pregnant and she's laughing at him. She's smiling. He shoots her. She continues to laugh at him. He's haunt. Like, that's why he won't even let them talk about Rebecca or he doesn't want her to dress like her or wear black velvet or anything. And what, what does he say? Never be 36. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. she died when she was 36. But, like... He he's haunted still by this smile on her face as she bled out everywhere and he even remarks on how there was all this blood and, and how awful it was and that she just died laughing at him because she was like that much of a troll who's like, I am going to beat you regardless. Yeah. You will never dominate me. I yeah. forgot where I was going because I got so excited. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, they they do try to make it, like, in in this, he slaps her, she falls down and hits her head, and that's how she dies. And then he, like, gets rid of the body. And it's like, well, he still got rid of the body. Yeah, he still opened up the shuttlecocks or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Sea cocks or whatever they call the the faucets on the ship. He he poked all the holes in the ship or the boat. Um, And then covered covered up her murder. Yeah, he went and he falsely identified another body who that person didn't get justice. Yeah. And is just stuck in the De Winter crypt. Um, but but that's what's, I think that's what's fascinating about the book is, besides the lesbian intrigue, is that um, you see this evolution of this, the second Mrs. De Winter. Uh, and she's played wonderfully. I mean, as great as Laurence Olivier and Judith Anderson and Joan of Fontaine is spectacular in this too. Mm-hmm. But seeing this evolution from her being this kind of insecure, anxious, uh, imposter syndrome young woman who's suddenly in this situation that she can't even comprehend, trying to get this man to love her, who is really nice to her at first and then returns very cold to her, that suddenly she becomes the one that's, like, egging him on and becoming complicit in covering up this murder. Mm-hmm. And that the two of them kind of... you. Like you said, you're supposed to root for these people? Yeah. When you've seen... He even remarks on seeing the loss of innocence in her face after he confesses his crime to her. Right. She's no longer that girl that he fell in love with. She's... Yeah. Yeah. But what's interesting to me is... What's different from the book versus with this movie is that the chemistry between them is so good. Mm Mm-hmm. Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine that you almost want to root for them because they make their relationship work. In the book, their relationship is not that solid. Mm-hmm. And he only warms up to her when she's like, we're going to cover up this murder, you little cuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's that's when it shifts. But in the movie, you're kind of here for them because they, they're so charming. They have so much charisma. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would suggest to you, Anthony, and to anyone listening... Is that uh, next you watch or something that's kind of a good companion to this, perhaps for those of us who are rooting for Rebecca and Mrs. Danvers, perhaps oh. uh, that you should watch my cousin, Rachel. I, I thought the, you were going to say Vinny, but <laughs> yeah, my cousin <laughs> I Vinny, love Marissa Matome. It's a great, makes for a great double feature. Uh, no, my cousin, Rachel with Olivia de Havilland. Oh, um, in a fan. It's, well, I don't want to say anything about it, but I think it's a good companion piece for those who are the Rebecca Stans, the Mrs. Danvers Stans. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. With with Sister Fo- to Fontaine. Mm-hmm. 
Is that, was this, okay, so we have to go there. Was this uh, Olivia's another one-upping of Joan? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> With their lifelong rivalry? <laughs> I know that the, you know they're still having it now. They're ghosts are duking it out. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure. She, she's like, I thought you were in fucking France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's another one where it's like, it's a, it was actually also um, Richard Burton's first film, I think. Okay. Young Richard Burton. Um he his his uh, mentor slash uncle, I believe, like is in a is far away and meets a woman named Rachel and uh, marries her and all of this, and then basically he wastes away and he dies. And Richard Burton becomes convinced that it's because of her, but then he falls in love with her, <gasps> and then it's is she doing the same thing to him? Is she actually evil? Is she not evil? Oh. You spend the whole movie guessing, and Olivia de Havilland, of course, fucking kills it. Oh. I think you'd really like it. It sounds right up my alley. Yeah. Fill in a gap, baby! (laughs) (laughs) Fills right up my gap. Yeah. Does does she... Does it also explore the darker side of sapphic delights? Um, not necessarily sapphic delights, but definitely the the, the free-spirited woman, let's say. Oh. I am just here for a scum queen. Like yeah. any Valerie Solanas <laughs> scum queen. Yeah. God bless them. She's a scum queen. Oh. Yeah. Let's hear it for our scum queens. <laughs> it's a good one. It's I really need to really see it. One. Yeah, it's really good. I, I did think about Olivia and Joan a lot during this because, I mean, like I, Joan Fontaine plays Mrs. DeWinter so well. Mm-hmm. And she's so sweet and charming and i just want everything to work out for her and i feel so bad for her like i love i mean all the actors in this are great but like um b beatrice his sister yeah yeah when she shows up and she's like oh no oh, try up your hair back oh no that's worse like, <laughs> it's just so great and i feel so bad for her because she's i relate to her right she's just this like shit kid commoner trying to fit in with like adults right and she can't yep and she doesn't dress nice or anything but that just pushed it even more for me where I'm like trying to that knowing what I know about their rivalry and the fact that like Joan Fontaine like what I read was their rivalry kind of started when they were little kids when Joan Fontaine threatened to murder her with scissors (laughs) threatened to murder Olivia de Havilland with scissors and then they never got along ever since and I just tried to imagine how did this sweet Miss de Winter (laughs) this dark origin story I know they are fascinating they are absolutely fascinating oh just sign me up well my cousin my cousin Rachel my cousin Rachel there's also a remake of that with Rachel Weisz but I cannot attest to its quality I have not seen it oh they went meta and they were like we're gonna get another Rachel to play and so every like shitty journalist could be like your name is Rachel <laughs> That's how many headlines in the That's reviews. like the Good Morning America interview, you know. Oh god. Yeah, the original. I highly recommend it. And, and I mean, obviously Olivia de Havilland if you haven't seen The Heiress, which I don't think you've seen The Heiress. No, I need to. You need to fucking see The Heiress. Thank you. I was I almost uh, Stacy, I saw you post about it and about that scene that you shared. <sighs> and it looks so good and then when that Criterion sale happened, the one that you forgot you had the the discount for. <laughs> <laughs> when that happened, I went to click the heiress and to get it. And so I could be like, Stacy, I did a thing. Sold out. Because oh. you have very good taste. Oh. And so do all the Criterion purchasers. That's too bad. It might be on the channel. Yeah. 
Anyway, that's Rebecca. Or as Mad Magazine might call it, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame they went under. Yeah. How dare you? I love that. I was raised no, in Mad Magazine. No, I, I was too, and I actually am really bummed um, yeah. that they're gone. Did you know that Rebecca is 80 years old? This movie? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it is wild. It is. It is wild. Um, I I did spiral out because I started to do the math then, and I was like, okay, wait, 1980 is going to be how old and how many years? And I just had to stop. I had to put you away the calculator. Yeah. I had to put away the abacus. I had to throw out the adding calculator. It just wasn't. It you just Sometimes it's kinder. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to put that to the stop, and I'm going to ask you, Stacy, are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? Last night I dreamt I put my head on the chopping block again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. I got two new categories. Holy shit, Stacy! For the first time in the history of the show, I have three new categories granted we went through all of my categories in the last episode so i had to make three new ones but i have three new ones i'm so excited i'm so excited for this installment how uh does this work again i always Uh, forget our game show where someone asks questions someone answers the questions the uh, person answering the question chooses from one of three categories. Each category has five questions. You have ten seconds to answer the question, uh, unless you call out, I want the wig! <laughs> In which case, Jamie Lee Curtis's wig. From the 1981 film Halloween 2, <laughs> will uh, emerge out of the earth. Like the Lady of the Lake? Oh, like <laughs> like the lady of the lake it'll appear on your head and our non-binary executioner the heads they is like wait a minute and you get 10 more seconds if you do not answer the question in time or you answer incorrectly you get your head cut off you're dead congratulations you lose and uh it's the other person's turn remember that part in halloween 2 uh-huh. Where Lori was like, I haven't seen it in a while. I want to. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. I love that movie. But remember the part where uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is like in the parking lot or whatever? And mm-hmm. help is like right there. And she's like, ooh, 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 ooh. And you, as an audience member, you're like, fucking say something! Oh, yes! And then the person leaves and then she goes, help me! (laughs) That's a good Jamie Lee. Listen, absolute icon. Also, sometimes Laurie Strode is the worst. Laurie Strode has this problem where she just doesn't know how to form words sometimes. Like, we've seen it with the keys, keys, keys. Like, it just goes, she goes in that register. Yeah. I love her, though. I think about that part. There's a few parts I think about in that movie. I think about Lance Guest's fluffy little curly head. Oh, yeah. He slips in that puddle of blood. He does, and I'm like, oh, I hope his head's okay. Yeah. Think about that nurse who gets the scalpel. And he oh, he picks, picks her, her up, up with it? Picks her up, yeah. That's iconic. I think of that guy's butt in the hot tub. 
butt in the hot tub. I think about Michael Myers' hand in the hot tub not getting burned while the woman's <laughs> face does get burned. Yeah, while her skin slops off. Yeah, and he's fine because evil yeah. is like a a layer of protection, I guess. Oh, that's what his deodorant, uh, that's the, the tagline on his deodorant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, <laughs> and of course, I think about those drops of blood by the ham, which was the name of our very first episode 73 years ago. How could you not think about drops of blood by the ham? Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Now I might have to watch Halloween too. I might, you might have sent me on a carpenter bender. I'm on a carpenter bender. So who goes first this week? Uh, uh... I don't remember, so... I feel like we have to rock, paper, scissors. Okay. Okay. One, two, two three, three. Paper! Rock. Hey. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> uh, so what does that mean? Um, that means I lost, so I go first. You right? answer first? Yeah! Okay. All right. <laughs> 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 Your categories are, I'll start with the old one, and the Oscar goes to... Where I give you an actress name and the movie for which she was nominated or won an Academy Award. You tell me the character name for whom she did the thing. (laughs) Your first new category this week. Who's that final girl? Oh. Where I say the movie title and you tell me the name of the final girl. Oh, okay. The ca- full character name or the actor? Or both? Or no, either. The character. Mm, okay. Who's okay. the final girl? You should know the final girls. I should. My names. And the <laughs> third category, the second brand new category, is Woman of a Thousand Voices. <laughs> where I give you a quote from a movie. Which might seem like a little kind of just a small... It's not like, oh, we're going to need a bigger boat, where you know that comes from Jaws. These might be more random quotes, but my impression of the character saying it, it's it's like you'll be watching the movie in your ears. Incense like, around. Incense around. You will visualize it. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and you tell me the movie. Okay, means- wait. You say a movie quote as the character in the voice? Yeah, I do my as best. As our own police police academy? Yeah, I try my best. And then I say the character that you're you, quoting? You, you say the movie it comes from. Oh! You know what? I don't even need you to repeat the categories. I want to do that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right, some of these are pretty easy. I, th- I think they're all easy when you hear them. It'll be just like you're watching the movie. And I just say the movie. You just say the movie. Okay, okay. Oh my god, okay, okay. Alright, where's the... Where's my my timer? Stopwatch. Alright, are we ready? Mm-hmm. Alright. Number one, woman of a thousand voices. <laughs> Number one. They're all gonna laugh at you! Carrie! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Piper Lori. <laughs> Number two. <clears throat> this house is clean. <laughs> I want the way because I have to laugh. <laughs> Can you do it again? 
is clean. That's part of the game. <laughs> yes. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Question three. Okay. Look at me. Look at me, teacher. Oh, uh, Salem's Lot? Yes, thank you. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Number four. Oh. Hello. Hello. Is anyone there? God, oh, fuck, I know this. Oh. Hello! Oh, I know this! Oh my god! Oh, I know this! Um... Uh, is anyone there? Oh, what is it? Oh! <laughs> You're very dead, but I want you to... <laughs> god damn it! I want you to eventually say, Day of the Dead. Oh, I knew it! Miguel, at the very oh. beginning. Hello! Yes! I also would have accepted 28 Days Later because he says hello, hello. And I would have said, well, it's close enough. Yeah, and it was uh, it was all the Romero's wrapped in one. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, good job. That was a deep cut. Yeah. We watched it recently enough, That's I mean 100 I years figured. ago during the three inning, that I totally remembered that, but I couldn't place it. Yeah. Do you want to oh. see if you get the last one? Oh, a bone? A bonus a bo- bone? A, bo- <laughs> <laughs> a bonus, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's see if you get I, this one. I just want to hear it. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just want to see if you can get it from this. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, number five. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's right but i would say the exorcist i don't know <laughs> it's franklin from texas chainsaw man oh <laughs> that was remember, good remember when he has his, his little hissy hissy fit yeah yeah and he goes off that's yeah. a good one yeah there you go yeah. thank you thank you <laughs> stacy i am just so happy that you always use this podcast as an opportunity to really shine I do it to pick up women, clearly. (laughs) Yeah, you do the voices for them. (laughs) I love that. Thank you. That was fun. I feel like you really went the extra mile with that one. So you really do deserve a a, what might be the all-time greatest chopping block category trophy so far. Oh, thanks. That just levitated out on the lake as well. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Wow. Well, take your trophy and and now plop your head down. Okay. As musically and (laughs) audio-rific as it is. (laughs) And I have three new categories (gasps) for you. Okay. Category one. This was inspired by a recent episode in which I did a certain uh, trivia from a certain movie, but this time I kind of took it a little more seriously. And that category is called Suspiriana Rama. Oh, no. Yeah, this is some real Suspiria trivia. Oh, brother. 
Uh, How next... many buttons on so and so's blouse? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, next category, category two is hashtag not my killer. And this is about, you know, anytime like a killer gets recast or replaced or it's just oh, an no. imposter version of like a slasher or a villain killer in a film. Mm. Um, but it's not it's not expressly naming that killer. It's just like kind of trivia around them. Uh, so that's hashtag not my killer. And then the third category for you is now this is an easy one, but name that knockoff because I love a knockoff film. Oh. So your categories are Suspiriana Rama. Hashtag not my killer or name that knockoff. I love a designer imposter, so I gotta name the knockoff. Hopefully. You're gonna get all of these. I already know these are it. <clears throat> the Bobo movies. Yes, they uh, and like pretty much all of them are American International Pictures films. Because <laughs> God bless. Okay, you ready? Yes. Okay. Question one. <clears throat> Carrie, but with snakes. Jennifer. Ding, 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 ding. Question two. The Exorcist, but black exploitation. Abby. Ding, 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 ding. Question three. The Sentinel, but with hot water bottles. Oh, Lurleen's lurkers. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Lurleen's, my favorite film. <laughs> Question four. Jaws, but a whale. Orca? Ding, 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 <sighs> ding. I've never seen it. They, I, I, I alternately could have said Jaws but a car, but I feel like these are already easy. That's just too easy. <laughs> yeah, well, then <laughs> again, it's... Dolly Dearest. <laughs> Her name was Dolly? <laughs> That's fucking... All right. <laughs> it should have been Rebecca. That's okay. <laughs> okay, question five. Jurassic Park, but Roger Corman. Carnosaur? Ding, 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 ding. Congratulations. Stacey, you got five for five. (gasps) But you're not out of the hot seat or the hot block yet, Stacey. Because Uh since you unlocked all five, you have opened up the special bonus non-horror question. Are you ready for this? Okay. For a bonus trophy. Pacific Rim, but by the Asylum. Oh, isn't it an Atlantic Rim? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> I had to put it in because I love that title. Yeah, so and bad. it has Graham Greene. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Yeah. <sighs> wow, what a big day. I got five, you got four. I got four. Right? Or, or Wait, three. no, I got three. <laughs> I got three, but I heard all five. You heard all five? Yeah, close. So we both won. Okay. We both are winners today. Yeah. I just wow. did dead. Good wow. job. Good job. Good job. Wow. Bravo. Bravo. Hmm. Uh, wow. We're on the far side of 100 episodes now. It feels like we should. It feels, it feels like it should be a new era, but clearly it's just the same old shit. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we just have stickers too. We have a, a really great uh, people being nice about the website, a nice reception to our new website, GaylordsDarkness.com. 
Yes, people are. Thank you so much, everyone. That uh, I was, I was just like, okay, we're just gonna put out this cry into the void, like always. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, so many of you um, came through and purchased some our beautiful pinsploitation pens, a briefcase woman, and our bumper sticker. We actually, I think, as of this recording, we have no bumper stickers left. Mm. Um, but they'll so we be we're, to get more. Yeah, well, we'll restock them. Well, we stock them, and like you said, this is a what was that? It was an industry branding term. Of, of oh, right. It's a, there's a rollout. We're rolling yes. out stuff. Yes, yeah. yes, we're doing a rollout. So there will be more coming for you. So feel free to keep checking GaylordsOfDarkness.com. And thank you all. Um, your orders are going out this week. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I don't know. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my god! Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha <laughs> ha